Hello, welcome to the Awakening Report. I'm your host, Doug Hamp. We have a fun evening in store tonight. We're going to discuss the question about Genesis chapter 6. Are we talking about fallen angels or the sons of Seth? That is a question that people and theologians have been asking for a very long time. Uh, I'm going to be defending the point of view that the sons of God in Genesis chapter 6 are talking about angels, specifically fallen angels. And my opponent is going to be taking the position that it is talking about the sons of of Seth, and so I'd like to introduce you this evening to uh, to uh, my opponent, who is also a Christian. He's my opponent in this topic, but he's a brother in Christ. His name is Peter Stokes uh, Jr., and uh, well, he you know he tells us that uh, he's been a Christian for quite a long time. He's a Canadian veteran uh, from the army. Uh, he's now a chef, and he is uh, very much into studying the Bible. And so one of his favorite topics is about the things of the flood. He also enjoys the book of Romans. And uh, he is um, very passionate about this particular topic. So Peter, it's a real pleasure to have you with us. Thanks, Doug. This is my first uh, online of anything. So uh, thanks for having me and uh, let's hope it goes well. Well, I'm sure it will. And, you know, as always, we uh, we just want to keep this a fun discussion, even though we're on two different sides of the spectrum here. But, you know, this this topic is one that we, you know, whoever wins or loses, there's not a lot writing on this. There are other topics that we could debate that, you know, there's more writing on it. But this is just kind of a fun one. And to kind of keep the peace, we have once again, Chris Steinle. Chris, uh, so glad that you can join us again. Uh, you know, you helped us in our last debate uh, keep the peace, and I, I'm sure you're going to do that as well here, too. Well, that's what I hope to do. Yes, very much so. And I appreciate uh, being involved. And this is a great subject, too, as I've looked into it. And there are strong arguments for both sides. So I'm going to try and uh, remain uh, neutral in spirit as we go through the debate. <laughs> yeah, that's not always easy. I, I can imagine if I were a moderator, I'd want to jump in and say, no, no, no. Uh, but uh, but that's that's the job. So, well, tell you what, we, we talked about this before we got started. We just uh, decided that I would be the one that would actually uh, lead off here. So uh, with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and get started. And we've each got about 20 minutes, though. I should let Chris, why don't you actually kind of give us the rundown okay. of how we're doing this? Yeah, I think I think we may uh, go 20 or 25 minutes uh, to give your initial statement and your stand and your support uh, for the issue, each of you. And then after that, we'll have about 10 minutes apiece to uh, come back and uh, rebut the other uh comments, the other position, and add other observations, and go over any notes you've taken as you've been listening to your opponent. And then after we get through with that second round, we'll open it up to questions from our chat room. And I may have some questions for you myself. So uh, take it away, Doug. Okay. And for those of you that are out there listening, uh, we encourage you to leave comments in the YouTube chat. Uh, if, um, you know, if you're more on the Facebook, you can leave them there. We will be checking that periodically, but we're more likely to see them if you actually put them in the YouTube chat. So, uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and get started. And I just want to make sure that I got my 
window up here that everybody can see that. Uh, and um, can you see that, Chris? No, there it is. There it is All right, now. Fantastic. Okay. All right. Well, let's get right into it. So my position is that the sons of God that are spoken of in Genesis chapter 6 are angels, specifically fallen angels. Uh, this is our primary text here in Genesis chapter 6. When humankind began to multiply in the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, B'nai Elohim, saw that the daughters of humankind were beautiful. Hey, Peter, go ahead and mute your microphone, would you please, buddy? It All is. Right. Uh, well, we still hear you. <laughs> so, uh, thus they took wives for themselves from any they chose. So the Lord said, my spirit will not remain to humankind indefinitely. Since they are mortal, they will remain for 120 more years than the Philim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, or after this, when the sons of God were having sexual relations with the daughters of humankind and gave birth to their children. All right. So uh, my thesis, again, is that the sons of God here in the Hebrew, B'nai Elohim, is talking about angels okay now first of all the term sons of god or son of god anybody that's called a son of god is a direct creation of god that's the first and foremost thing we have to understand that a son of god is a direct creation of god all right so when you and i were born we were not direct creations of god we were procreated through our parents and ultimately, we are sons of Adam. That's the Hebrew word there, B'nai Adam, which is sons of Adam. And that's what we are. But, <coughs> excuse me, when it comes to a son of God, who is a son of God? It's somebody who's a direct creation of God. So Adam was a direct creation of God. The angels are direct creation of God. And when we put our trust in the Lord Jesus, then we become direct creations of God. That's why it says there in 1 John that to any who, um, who received him, he, he gave them the right to become sons of God. All right, so that's the first thing that gets to the first very big clue when we're looking at this as to how this could be. Uh, the term sons of God, it's used about 10 times in the New King James, twice in Genesis chapter 6, three times in the book of Job, and five times in the New Testament. Uh, we see that there was a day when the sons of God, and, and it's translated in the Septuagint, which is the Jew, which is you know the Jewish um, translation of the Hebrew Bible into Greek from Hebrew, and they just went ahead and translated that as uangelu. So it's talking about the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came among them. So Satan is numbered among these sons of God. That means he is of the same uh, kind. He's the same kind of being. We also see in Job 38, 7, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Once again, this is not talking about human beings. It's talking about angelic beings. Now, there are three different views of the sons of God. So uh, in Job, the book of Job, the phrase clearly refers to angelic beings. And this is what I'm arguing that the sons of God are talking about. Uh, they're talking about angels. The second one is this is uh, Seth's line. That's what Peter is going to be arguing. And then the last one is that the sons of God are just powerful tyrants or humans, but they're powerful tyrants, perhaps demon possessed who view themselves as divine uh, and practice polygamy. I don't think that Peter's uh, arguing for that, but um, uh, so I think we can kind of write number three off because that's not part of our debate. Now, somebody say, well, wait a second. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 22:30, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. 
but those who are considered worthy to attain that, that age to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot die anymore because they're equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. That's the full text there in Luke chapter 20. And what we need to understand here is that really from the Lucan account, because it's a fuller uh, passage here, is that he's not talking about, uh, he's not saying that angels are cannot uh, procreate. He's just saying that that those who are going to rise from the dead will no longer are not going to be married or be given to marriage. Why? Because they do not die, because they're equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. So it has nothing to do with the ability to pass on seed. It has nothing at all to do with that. Now let's take a look at the ancient sources of the sons of God, because that's a really important point for us to see that when it when looking at these ancient sources, I want you to understand that every ancient source, every ancient source thought that the sons of God in Genesis, Genesis chapter six were fallen angels. All right. So this is not a new idea. This is the oldest of the ideas. And the sons of Seth is something that came later came much later. All right, let's take a look at some of these texts. For if the son, if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but threw them into hell and locked them up in chains and utter darkness and kept them until the judgment. All right, so this is talking about, this is from Peter. And if he did not spare the ancient world, but did protect Noah, turn the ashes, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, when he condemned them to destruction and to reserve the unrighteous for punishment at the day of judgment, especially those who indulge their fleshly desires and who despise authority. So what is Peter saying? He's talking about these angels back then. He is giving us a divine interpretation of what happened in Genesis chapter 6. You have angels who sinned. How did they sin? They indulged their fleshly desires. All right, so it tells us right there. Now we have the parallel passage in Jude. You also know that the angels who did not keep within their proper domain, but abandoned their own place of residence. This is the Greek word, ukiterion. This is used also in uh, the book of Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 2, talking about how we desire to put on the heavenly habitation. That's the same Greek word, ukiterion, habitation. And it, so it's talking about some kind of a body, something that you dwell in. He has kept in eternal chains and under darkness, locked up for the judgment of the great day. So also Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighboring towns, since they indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire in a way similar to these angels are now displayed as an example by suffering the punishment of eternal fire. All right. So what? Sodom and Gomorrah did. We know that they were practicing sexual morality. They did something that was similar to what these angels did. Now, that word angels is not actually in the text, but it has to be angels because it's talking about to, similar to these. These what? Well, it's masculine plural. The only thing that's masculine plural in this text is angels okay it cannot be the cities because cities are always feminine so this has to be something masculine it's talking about angels in a way similar to these angels so what they did inside Gomorrah was very similar to what the angels did which tells us that the angels back there in genesis chapter 6 were the they are the sons of god not the sons of seth and we see that they've been thrown into this place called tartarus that's the lowest of the lowest of the underworld, they did something more than the initial rebellion. Okay, because if, if they had only committed the initial rebellion, then all of the 
bad angels would be there. And clearly that's not the case. Just take a look at the evening news and you see that there are some wackos out there that are doing some pretty strange things. And what do they do? They indulge their fleshly desires and they despised authority. Well, that's exactly what they did. Uh, they did what they were not supposed to do. That's what Peter and Jude are talking about. They did something that was forbidden, and they did it with the, with the flesh. Okay, and that becomes very very powerful there because these these unrighteous angels they acted in a way that was forbidden, longing to defile or stain their flesh, and that's exactly what they did. So the phrase "practice unnatural vice," translated literally as "went after alien flesh," refers to desires for sexual intimacies by human beings with angels, which is reverse of the account of Genesis, where heavenly beings or angels sought after human flesh. Okay, that's according to New American Bible. All right, so there you have that there. According to the, the New uh, English Translation Bible notes, they say it could refer to flesh of another species, such as angels lusting after human flesh. This would aptly describe the sin of the angels, but not easily explain the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. Another alternative is that the focus of the parallel is on the activity of the surrounding cities and activity of the angels. Both angels and in some Gomorrah indulge in heinous sexual morality. Thus, whether the false teachers indulge in homosexual activity is not the point. Mere sexual morality is enough to condemn them. And again, that is what the angels did. They, com they committed sexual immorality, which, of course, you know, really should be happening uh, if the Sons of Seth theory is correct, which I argue it's not. Now let's look at some, uh, some ancient church fathers, some anti-Nicene church fathers. This is uh, Commodianus. He's circa 240 AD. When Almighty God, to beautify the nature of the world, uh, will the, that earth should be visited by angels when they were sent down, they despised his laws. Such was the beauty of women that it turned them aside so that being contaminated, they could not return to heaven. Rebels from God, they uttered words against him. Then the highest uttered his judgment against them. And from their seed, giants are said to have been born. All right, so there we have that. Now, Julius Africanus, he's probably the, probably the first guy to ever suggest, though he doesn't hold to it very strongly, that these might have been the sons of Seth. Let's take a look at this. When men multiplied on the earth, the angels of heaven came together with the daughters of men. Now, he says, in some copies I found the sons of God. What is meant by the Spirit, in my opinion, he says, is that the descendants of Seth are called the sons of God on the account of righteous men and patriarchs who have sprung from him even down to the Savior himself, but, at the descendants, but that the descendants of Cain are named the seed of men as having nothing divine in them on account of the wickedness of their race and the inequality of their nature, being a mixed people and having stirred the indignation of God. But if it is thought that these refer to angels by whose power they conceived the giants as their children, by whom wickedness came to its height on the earth until God decreed that the whole race of the living should perish in their impiety by the deluge. Okay, so he is making a suggestion that he thinks maybe it could be the sons of Seth. Okay, so that's an old idea, not nearly as old as the fallen angel uh, interpretation, but we see that it goes, it goes back to him, but he does not hold on to it very strongly. All right, he does not hold on to it very strongly. That's very important to understand. When we look at uh, other pre-New Testament Jewish texts, we see that uh, time and again, in every every example it's always talking about fallen angels without any uh without any other voices okay so enoch tales of the patriarchs philo the aramaic targumim of the pentateuch josephus and others they consistently accepted the interpretation that fallen angels were capable of producing offspring and therefore had some kind of genetic seed to pass on 
So let's take a look here at the Genesis Apocryphon. I thought, I thought in my heart that the conception was the work of the watchers, the pregnancy of the holy ones, that it belonged to the giants. All right, so here we have this, that he's talking about this seed is from a watcher, the son of the heaven. All right, now even in Daniel chapter 4, uh, Daniel gives the interpretation to Nebuchadnezzar's dream who saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. So these watchers, according to Daniel, watchers are uh, angelic beings, and we see there in the uh, the uh, Genesis Apocryphon that was a watcher who was the one who... Um, who was giving who uh fathered this child in in his wife's womb all right so the, the book of the giants we see this is from qumran they defiled they begot giants and monsters they begot and behold all the earth was corrupted with its blood and by the, the hand of the giants which should not suffice for them and they were seeking to devour many and the monsters attacked it of course it's very very fragmented but we see enough here to give us a pretty clear understanding that they you know whoever wrote this thing i don't know who wrote it exactly but whoever wrote it uh, let's assume that they were you know sometime in the second temple period they understood that what was happening in genesis chapter 6 was fallen angels were coming down creating some kind of monster a genetic hybridization if you will which caused great corruption on the earth uh, the book of enoch very says very clearly it happened after the sons of men had multiplied in those days the daughters of were born to them elegant and beautiful and when the angels the sons of heaven they took a look they took wives each choosing for himself whom they began to approach and with whom they cohabited teaching them sor sorcery incantations dividing roots and trees and the woman conceiving brought forth giants so there once again here's philo philo is a very rational kind of guy and he's a contemporary of the lord jesus he says that when the angels of God saw the daughters of man that they were beautiful, they took unto themselves wives of all of whom they chose, those beings whom other philosophers call demons, Moses usually calls angels, and they are souls hovering in the air. So Philo tells us point blank that these sons of God were angels and that they cohabited with women, they created this hybrid race, uh, and they were they were these demons. On what principle? It was that giants were born of angels and women. The poets call those men who were born out of the earth giants, that is to say, sons of the earth. But he relates that these giants were sprung from a combined procreation of two natures, namely from angels and mortal men. All right, so this is long before any of this modern uh, consideration, long before we have uh, any hint of it being... Uh, the sons of Seth, according to the Jewish interpretation, unanimously, it is talking about fallen angels. Uh, Josephus also echoes that for many angels of God accompanied with women and begat sons that proved unjust and despised of all that was good on account of the confidence that they had in their own strength. For the tradition is that these men did what resembled the acts of those whom the Grecians called giants. And uh, according to William Whiston, who is the translator of Josephus, he says this notion that the fallen angels were, in some sense, the fathers of the old giants was the constant opinion of antiquity. It's unanimous. Everybody thought that. All right. So, again, this is not some, you know, harebrained idea that we came up with, you know, 50 years ago or something. This is how people have looked at it uh, continually. This is the constant opinion of antiquity. Uh, we then have the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs. For this, they allured the watchers who were before the flood. 
and these gave birth to giants. Okay, so there it is again. Now let's take on directly this sons of Seth and daughters of Cain theory. Well, uh, Augustine really becomes the champion, though he's not the first to think of it, but he's really becomes the champion of this idea. He said, but God's holy angels could not fall in such fashion before the deluge. Hence, by the sons of God are to be understood the sons of Seth, who were good, while the daughters of men, the scriptures designates those who sprang from the race of Cain. Well, again, you know, the problem here is he's making things up. The text does not state that. That's the problem with theories. It's not in the Bible. It's just not in the Bible anywhere. All right. It's not in there. Now, Calvin is going to uh, parrot him years later, and he says that ancient figment concerning the intercourse of angels with women is abundantly refuted by its own absurdity. And it is surprising that learned men should formerly have been fascinated by ravings so gross and prodigious. Moses then does not distinguish the sons of God from the daughters of men because they were of dissimilar nature or of different origin, but because they were the sons of God by adoption, whom he had set apart for himself while the rest remain in their original condition. So he's suggesting that they, they were, uh, you know, they were the same nature, all right? And um, he's, of course, just, making fun of people that thought otherwise. Moses does not indeed say that they were of extraordinary stature, but only that they were robust. Elsewhere, I acknowledge, Calvin admits here, he says, I acknowledge that the same word denotes vastness of stature, which was formidable to those who explored the land of Canaan, which is actually Numbers 13.33. But Moses does not distinguish those of whom he speaks in this place. Now, again, how does Calvin know this? He doesn't. He's making it up. Uh, from other men, so much by the size of their bodies as by their robberies and their lust of dominion. Again, Calvin is making this up. He has nothing at all to substantiate his claim. He's just making it up. And then we see from Hawker's poor man's commentary, he says, if you are, if you turn to Genesis 4.26, you there discover the children of Seth are said to call in the name of the Lord, including both sons and daughters, and hence, therefore, these are meant uh, by the sons of God. Well, that's not true. The, the term Seth appears a total of seven times in the entire Bible. All right. And Adam knew his wife, and she bore a son and named him Seth. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then men began to call the name of the Lord. Well, we need to take a look at that text because it's a little bit uh, misleading. Uh, we then see uh, where God says that, um, that actually he had already given his name. Uh, at least this is kind of the idea is that, well, let me just go back up here for a second. Uh, people think, well, God had not revealed his name, but that's not the case. He says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God El Almighty, El Shaddai, but by my name, Lord, Jehovah, I was not known to them. Well, thus to think that this was the first time that humans began to worship the Lord is unfounded. Rather, we simply read that they began to use his personal name at that point for some purpose. Let's take a look at this text in Genesis 4.26 because this really becomes the, the sum total of the argument. I mean, this if, if, if this falls, then the entire argument is going to fall because there's nothing else in Scripture that would remotely support the sons of Seth interpretation. Now, in the Hebrew, it says, Az huchalikho b'shem Yehovah. Then it was begun the calling by 
or within the name Yehovah. So that's my translation there. All right, so let's take a look at that. Let's unpack this a bit. The word Huchal, it's the passive of the word begin. It's in the Hofal. So the subject of the verb Huchal is calling. All right, the word men does not even appear in the text. It's not even in there. And thus we see that apparently up until that point, men were not invoking God by his proper name. All right. So here's a possible translation. So this is a little bit different. The verb huchal is from the word halal, and the basic meaning is to profane, defile, pollute, desecrate, or begin. It's kind of weird that it can be pollute and begin, all right? But that's just how it is. You can check that out in Brown Driver and Briggs Lexicon. And the, uh, alter the alternative reading is then calling by the name of Yehovah was profane. And I think that is a better I think that's a better translation. And to Shet also was born a son, and he called his name Enosh. Then in his days, the sons of men desisted, Chalu, that's in the Aramaic, or forbore from praying in the name of the Lord. All right, so that's Genesis 4.26, Targum Onkelos. And what's happening here, according to Targum Onkelos, is that they're understanding this word not as to begin, but they're understanding it as to profane or to curse of some sort, all right, or to desist, if you will, uh, which I think is kind of a nice, <laughs> that's a nicer translation, but really it's that the word is to, to profane. And so if we put it, the whole thing together, it was then that men began, men profaned calling on the name of the Lord. And that would make a lot more sense. So technically speaking, every human ever born on this planet is a son or daughter of Adam. You have two dissimilar groups. You've got the daughters of Adam on the one hand and the sons of God on the other. So to suggest that the daughters of men were actually the daughters of Cain is really quite fanciful. It's not anywhere, anywhere. I mean anywhere located in the text that the daughters of Cain married the sons of Seth. That's the real problem with that argument. The daughters of Adam are contrasted with the sons of God. The daughters of men were human and the sons of God were not. So you put those together, and what do you get? You have the sons of God who were fallen angels. They came down. They cohabited or mated with the daughters of Adam. That is what the text says, not the, not the daughters of Cain. That's nowhere in the entire Bible. Uh, you, so again, you have fallen angels mating with uh, the daughters of Adam, or these are women, as we understand. And they created this hybrid race. And think about it. Wouldn't it be really weird if you have the sons of Seth and they marry the daughters of Cain and they get these gigantic children? That would be pretty weird, wouldn't it? It would also suggest that you're not allowed to have uh, inter, um, you know, interracial or inter-ethnic kinds of, of marriages. And yet the Bible clearly doesn't say that you're uh, you're allowed to marry people of a different ethnicity uh, and that's one another problem of the the daughters of uh, Cain and the sons of Seth theory is that it suggests that these sons of Seth should not have married the girls across the, on the other side of the tracks you know that's about the idea. two more minutes so, uh, I actually I'm, I'm just about done here so you know that that really sums it up for me is that I, it's not in the text uh, it's a little bit racial in its in its uh, idea uh, we don't actually see this until really Augustine, who's he's the real champion of this theory. And again, it's just not in the text. So with that, I'll see you in my last minute. Uh, I give it to you, Peter.
All right, thanks. That was, uh, you can tell you've done this before. You're prepared, bravo. Thank you. I think I need a nap now. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna um, read, I, I'm reading out of the King James, of course, uh, which is my favorite Bible. I think I've done the research and I uh, just find it reliable. I'm not a King James onlyist, I believe, or a King James advocate, I should say. I believe I'm a truth advocate. Um, I've just found that I've done the research and I find this one to be reliable. So I don't personally use any other resources like the book of Enoch or Spider-Man comic books or, you know, anything like, you know, any outside resources, which actually could paint a picture, uh, to fit that view. But, uh, I'm just going to go with what I, what, what's written here in the Bible. And, and I know you, uh, like to trust that as well, but. I'm just going to start, uh, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. So I think it's safe to say there's no angels involved right there, at least I don't think so, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Just right there, to me, it says taking wives, and uh, taking wives has been known in the Old Testament to be something that was done um on a regular basis with, uh, you know, with, with people uh, the wanting to get married. And I can't personally see why a demon uh, would take, would get married for, to me, that's ridiculous. And, you know, the, I think taking wives back then is also um, a relationship. And, uh, uh, but, but I would say that people would probably say that taking a wife could have just been that they just, took this woman and had their way with her and I'm done with you. But to me, I think that it's actually, uh, God is pointing out here that taking a wife was actually a relationship. And uh, that's what it seems like to me. And verse three, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he is also flesh. Yet his day shall be 120 years. And to me right there, um, he's saying that he's flesh. And his days will be 120 years. I, I think when you were reading it, it said 20 years. It said likened to 120 years. Or I, I think that's what I, I read something, but it didn't say it would be 120 years. So, to me, 120 years uh, certainly an angel certainly isn't going to have that uh, lifespan by any means. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men that they bear children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Um, you know, I think the only reason why anybody today that is accepting that an angel or a, a fallen angel or a demon can actually have uh, possession of, of a woman uh, um, uh, I uh, just lost my train of thought there. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bore children to them. They same became mighty men, which were men of, men of renown. But to me, the giants really are just be, are just stating that they had great stature. Um, I, there definitely are giants in the Bible, but um, I think that they are quoted of uh, of being of human beings, and uh, that their size was. Um, not crazy like uh, where it's defined as being cedar trees in some uh, in other parts of the Bible. So, um, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, 
and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And this one is the kicker for me. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created. So there are the beings that are being presented that we just discussed there in the beginning of Genesis. There, God is saying that he created them. There's no involvement of, uh, or, or certainly I don't think God's going to take going to take credit for the these beings that are that are in Genesis six here of saying of fallen angels and men. He's saying he created them. So um, to me, right there, that just throws the whole thing out the window that it could be angels because God is saying it repented him that he hath made them. So um, I, I can understand that uh, you know that you feel that this. Uh, this mix actually happened and God could be repented of that, but it doesn't to me It doesn't say that whatsoever. I think I think what God wants us to do is what common sense tells us and to me Angels being involved with human beings. I mean it sounds cool today and it sure makes a lot of movies You know, and I think that's why it's gained a lot of steam so much on the internet today, but um, To me just in my mind. I mean you would really have to do some digging and to me for uh, uh, Job 38 7 to be thrown into this chapter. I mean, uh, you know, that's like I can't understand something and I'll take another verse out of it and cherry pick and throw it in here just so I can try to make sense of it. I think there's a context and a pretext and everything that uh, with all the things that God has lined up for us to be able to understand and comprehend. And I think that it's well explained. There's no mention of angels from Genesis up to this point in this chapter. Well, there's not there anyway, but um, You know your side uh, seems to make that seem like that's actually what's being said. So um, I, I don't think that's what's being said whatsoever uh, Just let me go through some of my notes here um, uh, you, You've covered quite a bit of the ground of what I was going to say of what uh, those five is it there's uh, sons of God are mentioned five times in the Old Testament and five in the New and um, I'm not going to read them all because you pretty much brought them up. So I think that that would cover that. But um, I think G Genesis 6 gives no indication whatsoever that angels are present, either that the preconceived idea of, the, of inserting the in, uh, interpretation of Job 38. It clearly says man 10 times in the beginning. Uh, ten times God says man um, and flesh in 120 years. It repenteth me that he made angels, and uh, angels don't have the ability to cro uh, procreate. Um, they would have to have, um, you know, sexual organs. On top of what this is saying is angels coming uh, to this planet that would be raping, I would assume. I can't see in a woman saying, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, all right, uh, there's a demon wanting to, you know, <laughs> come on. I, I think that would be ridiculous. And uh, I also, I would think that they would give birth to a giant, and I would think a woman, I would think that would be declared and written in the Word of God of something that would have been noticeable, because there's nothing written uh, uh, about giants until we get way farther into the Bible. And to me, that's just, you know, the had nothing to do with them being demonic or anything other than their size was great. Um, Job. Uh, okay, uh, Job 2, uh, 4 to 6 says that, um, you know, when um, God is speaking uh, uh, with Job about, um, 
have you considered my servant? And of course, uh, Satan says, yes, you're, you know, you're protecting him. And uh, God wanted to uh, show Satan up. And he's, you know, he says, no, I'm going to let you have your way with this man, but you're not allowed to touch him. You're not allowed to strike him. Okay. Now he, he dumped all these sicknesses and illnesses on him and all this tragedy of his wife and everything, but God would not let him kill him. He had to get permission to be able to touch a human being. So therefore, I would say that uh, Satan, who is the highest hierarchy of all the angels, if he's got to get permission, surely angels don't get to come down here and have their way with women. Uh, to me, <laughs> uh, that one to me just, you know, that makes sense. I mean, Job 38.7 clearly states here that, uh, that there are angels that it is before the creation of man, but has no bearing on Genesis to me. And to me, um, the verse where it says they left their first estate often gets seems to be interpreted as they're no as they're now uh, from angels to fallen angels. I think uh, left left their first estate only is referring to that um, they're no longer in heaven. That uh, it says estate, so I think we're talking about a place. You know, I don't think it's talking about their being where they're now this uh, prodigy or this uh, demonic being, even though they are, but I don't think that's what it's referring to. Um, there's uh, several verses, five to be exact, actually, in the New Testament that refers to the sons of God being human beings. Now, I know that uh, there's several in the Old Testament that says that uh, the sons of God are actually um, are angels, but uh, I don't think that's what it is here. I think the word Nephilim shouldn't be inserted in there, other than the word Nephilim meaning to fall. Uh, I have no problem with it being fallen ones, uh, but not fallen angels. I think the angels is an additive. Uh, I know you've done your research with the, with the Hebrew and how that word can be interpreted, but uh, that's what I think is being done with the word of God today, is I think it's being corrupted with all these new Bibles. The Nephilim gives this picture of this prodigy of monster uh, being and, you know, by having that word in there automatically, you know, most people couldn't tell you what Nephilim is or even how to spell it. And when it, as soon as it's inserted into your mind, you know, it's just this thing. So uh, this monster being. So I think that's part of the problem that uh, with that word being misinterpreted in the scripture today. Um Okay, so the sons of God in the New Testament, Romans 8, 14, uh, which is quite popular, which is um, those who are led by the Spirit. I'm just looking it up here. Uh, I'll read the verse before it just so it, uh, we have some context. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So that's that's one verse right there saying that um, that the covenant keepers, if you want to call it that, Christians or uh, the believers, that uh, they are uh, the sons of God. Uh, Philippians 2.15. Philippians 2, just bear with me here. Philippians 2.14 and 15. Do all things without murmur. Uh, murmurings and disputings 
that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That's another one. And let's go with First John, my last one. There's two verses here. First John 3, 1 and 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knoweth him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that we shall, when we shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall be him as he is. Uh, to me, this is conclusive evidence that the sons of God are, are humans, and I purport the same as the ones in Genesis 6. Um, yeah, we'll just we'll just stop at that because the rest of my notes are mostly about uh, rebuttal, so uh, we'll just go for that for now. Thanks. All right. Well, then, we'll go back to Doug. And you'll have about 10 minutes to respond to Peter's remarks. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, first of all, I started off saying very, very clearly that what a son of God is. I mean, that makes a big difference to understand what a son of God is. There are three kinds of sons of God. I mean, clearly Jesus is called a son of God, but he's kind of a different topic, so we'll leave him out of this, this one for now. Uh, a son of God is anybody who is a direct creation of God, right? So Adam is called a son of God in the book of Luke. He's a son of God. Why? Because God took the dirt and made him. See, he's a son of God. Now, would Cain be, Cain and Abel, etc., would they be sons of God? No, not directly. They're sons of Adam, but they're not sons of God because they were not made directly by God. Were the angels made directly by God? Yes, absolutely. And that's why the Bible uses the term B'nai Ha'elohim to talk about the sons of God. That is exactly who they are. They are sons of God. And then lastly, well, we, we believers are sons of God as well. Again, in John 1.12, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become sons of God or children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So when, when we put our trust in the Lord Jesus, we then become a son of God because we are now a direct creation of God, and we were not sons of God before our rebirth, all right? So I, I hope that's clear. Now, uh, I heard quite a bit of uh, opinions here. I didn't hear very much evidence. Uh, Peter suggested, why would a demon get married? Well, why do demons do a lot of things? We, we may not know exactly. They're very evil, malevolent beings. Uh, he suggests it's ridiculous. It's about a relationship. Well, that would be that would be to suggest that every time uh, you know a man and a woman have relations, it's because of you know I mean sexual relations that it's about some lubby-dubby relationship. I wish that that were I wish that were the case, but that's just not the case. It, it's just not at all. Uh, you know we can you know we don't have to look very far to see that there's all kinds of rape that just happens uh, just on the human level. Uh, why would demons do that? Maybe they have an ulterior motive. Maybe they have a bigger purpose. Uh, and I would think they do, and I think you're denying that. Um, man's days um, are numbered. Uh, you mentioned that an angel's not going to live that lifespan. Well, no, but that's how long a, a human, a human being. Now, again, I, I think you're making 
you're misunderstanding. I never said that Nephilim were fallen angels. The Nephilim are the product of the fallen angels and the women. Okay, the Nephilim are the product. That's an, that's important to understand. They are the children of the fallen angels and the women. They're, they're, the, the Nephilim are not fallen angels. The Nephilim are the product. Okay, I hope that makes sense. Um, you suggested that giants had great stature. Well, okay, I agree with that. Uh, Genesis 6, 5, it grieved God. Uh, and you're suggesting that he's not taking credit. Uh, well, uh, you know, let, let's take a look there at Genesis chapter 6 again. It says, when the Lord saw the wickedness of man, it was great in the earth, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he made man on, on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And so the Lord says he's going to destroy everything. Now, why does he say that? Because in verse 11, it says the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. That's the word Hamas. It's filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Well, God's not taking credit for all of that. All right? he, I mean, ultimately, God made everything. He made the angels as well. All right, he made the angels and he made everything that was on the earth, and now everything has become corrupted. He's not taking credit for the corruption. He's sad. He's grieved about it. He's very brokenhearted about all of this corruption. So again, I, I don't really see what your point was. Um, you you said that there's no mention of angels. I, I don't know where you're getting that. Uh, for example, Job 38 verse five, uh, it says that Bnei Elohim. Okay, Bnei Elohim. That is a reference to the term angel, and that is why the Alexandrian Jews even translated it that way from Hebrew into Greek. They translated it as angelu, so they certainly understood that. Uh, the angels don't have the ability to procreate. Well, you, of course, you have no idea if that's true or not. You're just making something up there, which is exactly what Calvin and Augustine did. They made things up, so um, your point is not taken. Uh, you said there's nothing written about giants in the Bible. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's right there in Genesis chapter 6. It's also in Numbers 13.33, and they clearly were very tall because the, the people said that we feel like grasshoppers in their sight. So these were obviously very, 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 very big people. Um, uh, you know, so why did Satan have to get permission to touch Job? Because God has certain... Um, you know, he has certain uh, protocols, and if you break those protocols, then you get in trouble. doesn't mean that God and Satan were like best buds. It just says that, look, you know, I mean, Satan still knew who God was. He still appreciated God's power, and he still knew that he needed permission for certain things. And when we read in Peter and in Jude that there were a bunch of angels that did not keep their first estate, and they, they came down and they had relations— they were not supposed to do that, and as a result of that, they got thrown into this place called Tartarus. Clearly, not all of the fallen angels did that. Satan didn't do it, right, because he's still out and about roaming around. But the angels that did um, you know, go over, and they didn't keep their, their first estate, they did not stay in their domain, which is the word arche, which means that there's a there's a domain. They were supposed to stay in kind of, you know, stay in the sandbox, right? Or they didn't stay in the sandbox. They got out of the sandbox, and they did things they were not supposed to do that were forbidden. They went after strange flesh, which they were prohibited from doing, but they did it anyway. 
All right. I mean, Adam and Eve were prohibited from eating of the tree of the knowledge of an evil and evil, but they did it anyway. All right. So when you go outside of the parameters that God has given you, he allows you to do it. I mean, just look at your own life. Look at my life. Right. Uh, there's things I'm not supposed to do that I've done. Right. And I pay the price. Right. So these angels were not supposed to do things, but they pay the price. Uh, again, to say that the sons of God are simply human beings. I've already explained that, that. There are three kinds of sons of God. There are angelic, there's Adam, because he's a direct creation, and then there's the believer who becomes a, a direct creation of God. But just naturally born, you're not a son of God. You're a son of Adam. Um, let's see here. Uh, you, 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 you cited Romans 8.14, but as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Again, you become a son of God by believing on Jesus' name. So you become a direct creation of God. So... You know, I, I think just to kind of summarize here, uh, I, I think Peter means very well. I appreciate his his passion for this, but I have not seen any evidence. I think he's uh, sharing a lot of opinions with us. He's sharing kind of his, the way he feels about it, but he hasn't shared any concrete evidence, nor has he done anything to refute any of the very strong arguments that we have in the Greek and in the Hebrew, that both of which express uh, a unanimous position among ancient commentators that they all believed that they were fallen angels and this idea of sons of Seth was just non-existent until Julius Africanus who was very very tentative and then it was Augustine who then really took that and ran with it and that became the church doctrine for quite a while so we're sort of going back to the original uh, and not coming up with a new idea all right thank you Doug and so Peter, why don't you then take uh, 10 minutes, up to 10 minutes, and uh, uh, respond to the new things that Doug has brought up or anything else that's occurred to you um, or other points that you didn't bring up in your opening statement. Yeah, be sure and unmute your mic there. We're good. There we go. Uh, I won't be able to remember all the points that he brought up because <laughs> this is my first time, and I'm still a little nervous, so I'm not. Uh, um, I'm not taking as much. I'm not as prepared as Doug is for sure. And this is definitely, uh, you know, a lot of my opinion. And uh, but I really believe that I'm just uh, voicing that because to me it's what makes common sense. You know, I don't think that the word of God has to be. Um, and uh, we love to see guys with uh, Doug with the knowledge and the understanding that he has of the Hebrew and, and uh, the, the Word of God. But I don't think all of it has to be necessarily of something that you have to have this um, uh, vast array of understanding. I think uh, the real understanding of the Word of God just comes from the Holy Spirit. And um, so to me, that's why it becomes a lot of opinion. Uh, uh, it doesn't mean it's right, of course. But, you know, I'm just going to go with what makes sense. And uh, I'm going to read from Acts 17, where it starts at, uh, let's go with 24. God that made the world and all things therein. So that's including everything that's ever existed on this planet. That he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with man's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and made 
of one and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth one blood there's no commingling mixing of anything else other than uh the, what god has created um i honestly don't think either that um you know if if angels were going to come to earth slash demons uh, nephilim i would think that they would just kill the women on top of the men as well what it doesn't make sense to me that they would actually want to have relations with them i and i and i did understand and i really liked your point about the nephilim being the prodigy of the of the, the union between the two i i understand that i clearly understand that but um i i honestly think that uh why would they you know why would they be so nice to come down and uh, actually have a relation with a woman why wouldn't they just kill them i think if they had access to be able to do that to me it just it clearly um it points more in the direction that they're actually human beings and uh i don't really even think that it even has to be the line of seth and the line of cain i think it could have been that these men were overtaken by their sexual desires and if i could quote it to be funny they did a jimmy swaggered you know and they fell <laughs> they fell from grace you know that these guys were great men that were once known about uh actually well i wouldn't say sharing the gospel well i guess it could be but you know these were the the godly people of of um of that time and they fell from that period because they gave into it doesn't mean that uh, they were all that way or it was necessarily all uh, the Canaanites uh, commingling with the Sethites. I think it was actually them just referring to that they gave in to their desires, and uh, that's what uh, why they fell. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and move into? Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, it sounds like it would be best just to go ahead and move into an open discussion where uh, Doug can answer and you guys can just kind of talk back and forth for a while. And then we'll we'll take some questions from the chat room. And I may have some questions as well. But uh, Doug, sure. uh, why don't you uh, respond to uh, what seems to have been a question by Peter? <laughs> okay, repeat the question again, Peter. Uh... Well, geez, did I give a question? I was just giving my opinion there of uh, okay. that I just don't think that it, it, to me, with a common sense, it just doesn't seem like it, you know, that uh, angels and uh, I think that, well, okay, let's go with this one. Don't you think that uh, demons and angels being evil would just kill? Why wouldn't they just kill, kill the humans if they had access to be able to do that? Well, what makes you think that's their plan? Well, I would think that that's Satan's number one thing is, you know, I think in are the you garden, as smart as Are you as smart as Satan? Pardon? Are you as smart as Satan? Of course not, but uh, we do have the Spirit of God. Then, so, but, uh, then, you know, but, then, but then your opinion of what he would think has no relevance here, right? If I could interject for just a second, uh, the text tells us that... Uh, these sons of God, whoever they were, uh, the reason that they um, uh, were involved with the daughters of men, it tells us. Um, it tells us why they didn't just kill them. It tells them that they, they, it tells us they found them attractive. That's 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 written in the text, and so 
that to me would be uh, an answer uh, to that right. question. Okay, so let's go with that then, Peter. Who are these Bnei Elohim? Why are they called sons of God, and the women are called daughters of Adam? When the general word for for human is Ben Adam, a son of Adam, but these are called Bnei Elohim. These are called sons of God. Why are they called sons of God here? Yeah. Uh, well, um, I don't think it's actually angels. I, I don't think it says that. I, I Well, I think it does say sons of God, but I don't think the reference of them being angels. I think so it's who are they? because, uh, well, of course, the line of Seth were the covenants. You know, I mean, there was definitely people that uh, were known, uh, you know, I mean, Noah was a just man. Okay, so there was only eight people that were considered to be the just people, I guess, you know, what that God was willing to save. And um, that would also, I mean, that would also make me think that the Nephilim, uh, you know, if, well, there was only eight people that they corrupted the whole planet. So you have no textual support of what you're saying? Right? <laughs> well, no, no textual support of what I just said. I mean, uh, well, my you, whole you, thing you is based on what. No, you, you don't, because you have nothing to support the sons of God as being the sons of Seth. I mean, where do you get that from the Bible? Uh, I think it's actually the same. This, well, I think the sons of the same place where you would get your opinion about this, them being angels. From <laughs> no, what, I, what I, I showed, I showed my evidence. But where do you get the sons of Seth as the sons as being the sons of God? Where do I get that that's the sons of God? Well, I don't think it necessarily even has to say that they're the the sons of Seth. Because it so doesn't say they? that there that they are the sons of Seth. So right? who are they? So, who are they? Well, I think we're just going angels. with it uh, where it says here that these are the people that actually were uh, good enough that uh, Cain and uh, the, the daughters of Cain and the daughters of Seth. So you, you do think it's the sons of Seth and the daughters of Cain? I think it can be both, actually. I think Where do you get? Can, if, I, can, I think okay. it can. So then, I let's go with it being the sons of Seth and daughters of Cain. Where in the Bible do you get that idea? Well, because of what common sense of what would have been passed on from can, generation can you show, to generation. Can you show us a text? Can you show us a verse anywhere? Well, I'm off top. If you want, you know, I'm going to just go by what it, it appears that the godly people at that time. Would have been able to, you know, we could say that. At, where did anybody get any of the, uh, the good news? For, it would have been from Adam and passed down from then. And you would assume that if the Canaanites weren't given it, you know, I mean, there was a group of people. Abraham said, "Go to this tribe to uh, to find me a wife," because you know the covenant keepers were the people that were, uh, you know, that they wanted to keep together. So it only it only would make sense that uh, we could conclude that, uh, you know. Uh, it okay. Actually, it does say. I think it's in chapter five of Genesis that it says uh, that it, uh, it's referring to up to Seth. That uh, uh, at that time men began to call upon the name of the Lord. That's chapter four, verse twenty-six. Okay, chapter right. four. Okay. Does it say that? Yeah. What, what does it say? Well, okay. What does it say? Well, you all look it up. Okay. You're you're not familiar with that one? Well, I actually I actually already. Explain you can that. probably quote it better than me. Do you know it? <laughs> I already explained that in, in my presentation. All right. 
Well, by all means, if you know it there, Doug, go ahead and quote it. I'm not okay. that one dialed up. I just thought since it was your argument that maybe you had. Oh, oh, okay. It says, and as for Seth, to him was also born a son, uh, son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. So I explained in my presentation that that's not what the Hebrew actually says, and I'd be happy to read that to you if you'd like. But, I mean, the Hebrew clearly does not say that. Uh, that is something that the translators have inserted. It's just not there. So it says, right? So it says, it says then, or it says then, and then the word huchal, it's the, 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 the poet, it's the passive, it's the hofal, okay? And it's then was calling on the name of the Lord was profaned. That's what the, the Hebrew actually says. Right? It, it doesn't say, then men began to call the name. If you, if you look at your King James or New King James, the word men is in italics because it's not actually in the Bible. It's not in the text. And they, they translate this as a an active verb, but it's not an active verb. It's a passive verb. This is basic grammar, and yet somehow the translators have done quite a number. All right, And I showed evidence that the Aramaic Targumim uh, translate this in a way that I'm suggesting, which is that is when the calling of the name of the Lord was they desisted, uh, they stopped doing a good thing. So it, it's just the opposite of what the text says. Instead of people starting to call on the name of, of Yehovah or Jehovah, they're actually doing just this, the opposite. They're now starting to curse the name of Jehovah. They're not using his name in, in a good way. They're using it as a curse. So... Again, there's nothing in the entire Bible that supports your thesis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I we'll just have to chalk it up as opinion then. I mean, uh, to me, I find that dangerous that you would actually use outside resources like, uh, uh, you know, uh, the book of Enoch and, uh, and those other books. Uh, to me, I... I don't understand really how a pastor would be able to include that. I mean, because to me, that means I could just write something on paper or anything that uh, could be, you know, considered questionable sometime and and use that. I I don't I don't get that why you would even do that. To be honest with you, no, I I use I I use the Bible very clearly, and yeah, I use I, I did I I I gave you lots of verses. And then I use those simply to confirm what I'm showing you, that I'm not giving you something brand new. This right. is a very ancient understanding. And I start with the Bible. And I, I showed you. I showed you. So I started with Peter and Jude, all right, which yeah. you have not been able to refute in any way. So well, I, this, isn't, this isn't supposed to be a fight, right? I mean, we're both Christians well, no. here. This is supposed to of be, well, you know, I kind of like this actually of just calling this an online Bible study. I, I don't really want... You know, I don't think Christians should be debating each other like this publicly online. I think it should be more or less, you know, uh, we're sharing our opinion about it. But, I mean, you know you know well that there's uh, plenty of Christians out there that feel that uh, Linus Seth, or at least not angels anyway, that uh, that support that theory. And because it makes sense. The, the mention the no mention of angels before then on top of angels being able to have relations with humans uh, them being a spirit being uh, it makes no sense uh, just to the natural mind I mean uh, 
you know, not that that doesn't mean it couldn't exist, but I mean, we're going to go with what, what makes sense. And to me, that's just no, opinion because it makes Peter. common sense. And Peter. I do believe there's biblical support for that. Okay. We don't go with what makes sense. We go with what is in the Bible. Okay. And, and no offense. I, well, I appreciate that's where I'm getting my opinion from. But you're not though. You're you're getting it from your own opinion. You're going with what you think makes sense, but not with what the Bible actually states. And I I did show you. Well, why don't, why don't you, uh, without with everything that you do know, Doug? Why can you comprehend that a human can have sex with an? Oh, I guess you can't. But I mean that that got, that goes beyond reason that it that an angel could have sex with a human being because they would have to have reproductive organs, would they not? Well, could I could I uh, interject uh, a few thoughts for just a moment uh, in that conversation? And we do uh, remember that when the angels uh, went in uh, with Lot, that yeah. uh, there were uh, intentions uh, that people might have sexual relationships right. with them. And also we do find a number of places where angels are eating, uh, invited to eat and, and even mistaken for uh, guests. Right. Um, and we also know that that wouldn't be possible just as Jesus demonstrated to the disciples and said that see that i'm not a spirit i'm not a ghost but i but i am flesh and and so this uh thing that's demonstrated by jesus is also demonstrated by the angels in well, that, the New testament this uh this this full manifestation um as it were uh we do see evidence of that in the old testament the angels, if I might, if the the angels there uh, with Lot, uh, uh, where the angels wanted, or so it seems that they wanted to have sex with the men that they they were with, uh, doesn't mean that they could have sex with them. It just meant they wanted to have sex with them because they had an appearance that you know I'm uh, in this perverse uh, that nation that was there at the time. These guys could have, you know, they would have probably had sex with a tree stump. You know, the, <laughs> these guys wanted to have sex with anything that was available. So I think uh, somebody knew that came in the picture. That doesn't, I don't think there's any evidence to say that they actually could have had sex with them. And eating is a far, uh, a far cry to be able to say that you, you could have sex with somebody. Okay. So I just don't see where it, it you know, uh, I, I believe there's several verses in the Bible that actually, you know, that describes about what an angel is and, uh, and what angels do, and that they're ministering spirits and that they're there for the purpose of serving us and that we will actually judge angels at one time. So to me, you know, uh, I, I think that all, a person can only really have that opinion about angels is from having the preconceived idea of Job 38.7 already being inserted in there because I don't see how that could that comes up. But... I know he disagrees with that, but uh, to me, it's not there at all. Okay, well, let's take a look at what the what uh, the New Testament writers have to say. So here's Peter. He says, "For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but threw them into hell, that's the word Tartarus, and locked them up in chains in utter darkness, kept until the judgment. And if He did not spare the ancient world, so now we know the context, the time frame that He threw those angels in there." And we know that what they did was they indulged in, in their fleshly desires. If we look at the parallel passage 
This is Jude. He says, you also know that the angels, that's the word angelus, who did not keep within their proper domain, that's the word archein. Again, the word archein is their domain. They're supposed to, you know, kind of, again, like I, I suggested, a, a sandbox. They're supposed to stay in the sandbox, right? But they didn't. They didn't stay within there. They abandoned their own residence. That's the Greek word, uketerion. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 2, it says that we desire to put off this tent and to put on a uketerion, to put on a heavenly tabernacle, heavenly habitation. Okay, that's the same Greek word. So these angels did not keep their own uketerion, their, their own habitation, their own residence. That's talking about some kind of a body. And because they did this, he's kept them in eternal chains and under darkness, locked up for the judgment of the great day. Now notice this, so also, hos os, Sodom, or hos, excuse me, Sodom, Gomorrah, and the neighboring towns, since they indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire in a way similar to these. Now, the Greek here is very clear, tutus, all right, it's masculine, and it's plural. We have to look for the antecedent, all right? The antecedent of tutus, which is something masculine, plural, is angels, all right? So the angels did something very similar, or I should say Sodom and Gomorrah did something very similar to the angels, all right? Well, we know, as uh, Chris just brought out, the, the, uh, the two angels that went to Sodom and Gomorrah, well, the people inside of Gomorrah says that they wanted to know them. And so Jude is telling us that the angels that did not keep their first estate, they abandoned their residence, that they are now kept in eternal chains because they did something that was so heinous, they got locked up, and it, they did something, they were pursuing unnatural desire and sexual immorality similar to Sodom and Gomorrah. So there you have biblical evidence, not opinion, but biblical evidence. I don't need all those extra biblical sources. I simply use those to substantiate what I'm saying, but it, it, I don't need those. All right. The Bible itself has plenty to say on this topic. The Bible itself. So you made an accusation that how could I as a pastor use these outside sources? I don't need the outside sources. I, I'm showing you from the Bible, and I'm not giving you my opinion. So what do you say about Jude? Well, leaving their domain is a what? Isn't that just they left heaven? Why can't that be that they're not in their first estate, estate being a home? Do you think all the fallen angels are in this place called Tartarus or just a few of them? Do, oh, well, it does say that they're locked up in eternal punishment for judgment, aren't they? So you think there are no demons that are floating around? I, I can't say that. I, I, you know, I mean, there's definitely biblical evidence there that people have become demon possessed that Jesus referred to. So not uh, all the demons are in this place called Tartarus. Just some of them. I'll have to take your word for that one. I don't know the answer to that one, Doug. Okay. But I, I do. I, I'm, I have no problem with uh, leaving their first domain. Is that they're not in heaven anymore? I don't think that has anything to do with they've uh, that they're no longer in this. Uh, angelic state, which they're not, but I don't think it means that uh, uh, them leaving their abode is uh, anything other than they're not in heaven anymore. Okay, the word abode there is uketerion. It's the same word that's used in Second Corinthians chapter 5. 
It says that for this we earnestly groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. The word habitation, same Greek word. Okay, so how do you explain that? Um, I don't. Okay. Don't don't have an answer for that. You you know I don't know the Greek or the Hebrew. I, uh, you know I I'm reading the the word for what it what it appears to say and what common sense and the Holy Spirit that lives within me would. Uh, lead me to believe and uh there's evidence that uh they're no longer in heaven and it was because of uh, what happened there uh in the fall and i uh, have no reason to believe that that's not what's being said there okay but you have no linguistic evidence <laughs> Is that right? well i don't have the whole bible on the top of my mind i mean uh you know i we were prepared for uh this topic and uh you know i mean i'm just trying to stick with what i know i'm not going to try and make a an answer that I don't know the answer to. If I don't know it, I'm going to say I don't know it. Fair enough. Okay. Chris, do you want to take some questions now? Well, uh, before I do that, I would like to uh, point out in your answer, you were equating demons with, with fallen angels. Is that your view? Yes. I, I think they're absolutely one and the same. If you look at the, the Greek word for daemonia, it's uh, it means a mighty one, and if you compare that with the word Elohim in the Hebrew, that also means a mighty one. Uh, and we even saw that from Philo. Philo says that Moses calls uh, those beings demons, which the uh, the Greeks call the uh, that they would they would call the the, the giants, etc. In, in other words, that they would call, you know, angels. He says angels, others call them demons. In Greek, they call them demons, right? So the Greek is the, is the, the Greek word is daemonia, uh, and the Hebrew would be the beneha Elohim, or, or just Elohim, which is a, a general term. So, and the same is true for daemonia. That's also a general term. Right. Yeah. So okay. I, I think it's very it's very uh, artificial when people say that, oh, no, there's a difference between fallen angels and demons. No, that's completely made up. Because there is no such term as fallen angel in the Bible. That's something that we have coined. Right. It's a good. It's a good term because there are there are angels of good, you know, good and bad. So it's fine to call them fallen. Uh, but but okay. the word demonia is, is rather general. I want to ask you another. Uh, I consider to be a fairly tough question, Doug. Um, when you go back to Augustine and and Calvin and talk about Calvinism. Um, if we uh, assume that the um, offspring of the fallen angels and the line of these giants um, are still on the earth, then would do they uh, have the ability to be saved? These people that might have that genetic structure, um, are, do they have the ability to be saved, or are they have they missed the mark of being uh, uh, eligible as as the sons of God? That that is a that is a good question. That's a challenging one because we do not have all the data, so I can only give you my best guess on that one. And my my best guess is that what the fallen angels were wanting to do back there in Genesis were to essentially create a bio suit they wanted to uh, have relations with women create this this offspring and the offspring 
as I understand it, this is my opinion, uh, the offspring did not have a soul. The offspring would have been just a body called like an avatar, right? Uh, just like the movie Avatar that we saw several years ago. Uh, it would have been an avatar waiting to be possessed or inhabited with some kind of a spirit. In this case, it would be a fallen angel. Uh, because we know the fallen angels can inhabit or can possess people, but they can always get kicked out, right? So if they were to create some kind of a, a hybridized biosuit, if you will, then this this thing called a Nephilim could be something that they could inhabit all by themselves. Um, so I don't think that that it's it's even a um, a relevant question in the sense that they don't need to be saved because the spirit that dwells in them is demonic. That's how I understand that. It also seems like uh, you know. This prodigy between the two does that that takes the onus off of man of being, uh, you know that uh, God punished the uh, man and and the earth, and He didn't punish, He didn't say I'm punishing the angels or, I would think there would definitely be some sort of mention of that in the Word of God that God is, you know that He's decided. It seems like man uh, come up with enough evil all on his own without having to be influence with uh, these outside beings to be able to and to me that's that is now giving us the devil made me do it theory that we can get away with uh with what's be and, and you wouldn't know who the nephilim are today i mean uh, i mean you know at least i don't think we could, we would be able to find out who they are i mean it's not on their driver's license i doubt so uh you know to me it, it's um it it contradicts that man is responsible for sin uh, with that. I mean, unless there's only a handful of Nephilim out there. I think we would agree on that, Peter. Uh, we, we certainly don't want to, um, or let me just say this. I, I agree that, that man is responsible for his things. and We can't say the devil made me do it. And that's why, uh, from all that I've seen in my studies, what these demons were trying to do back in Genesis chapter 6 is they were trying to create a, a hybridized race that did not, did not have their own innate soul, but they had they were basically an empty vessel that could then be possessed by a demon so that these Nephilim uh, were not some, they were not like half human in the sense that they had half of a human soul, but they, they were just an empty shell. They were an avatar. And they could be possessed, uh, completely possessed, with no human soul, uh, by right. the demon. So I think we agree on that point. Well, that's certainly opinion. That's certainly not biblical. And, and that is my. I agree, and that's why right. I preface it. That's my opinion. Right. Sure. Well, All right. you know, as in the in the days of Noah. To me, as in the days of Noah, yes, definitely people were. You know, I mean, it was an evil generation. But to me, as in the days of Noah, really is. It was business as usual. Uh, I I don't think it was, um, you know. I mean, how what happened to the Nephilim? Uh, they did they drown in the flood? Did they're, they're these spirit beings? I mean, are, were, was it possible for them to drown? Is that how we uh, um, are the Nephilim still around? Well, we we do find that they uh, they show up again in Numbers thirteen thirty three, where they're yeah. so tall that the uh, the Israelites say that we felt like grasshoppers, and so they seem to us. 
That's uh, actually, so, that verse actually just talks about their stature. It actually doesn't say them be have anything to say about them being uh, fallen angels or or the Nephilim. It's actually just describing their stature as cedar trees and them being like grasshoppers. I think well, it was they, just them being overwhelmed by by their presence. Well, God says in Amos chapter two that He says, "Yet it was I who destroyed the Amorites, whose height was like the cedars. Cedar trees are pretty tall, so God yeah, God Himself." It's not comprehensible are, for a human to be like a cedar, is it? Well, uh, they obviously were not your average humans. They they were not just uh, born from the sons of Seth and the daughters of Cain, were they? That's the whole point here, is well, that I these were extraordinary cedar, creatures. Cedar just flows out, out of the window. I mean, a cedar, you, nobody's the size of a cedar, nor well, has there ever been. If I could uh, interject, you know, the verse in Genesis does tell us that there were giants in those days and there were giants afterward after those days and yeah. we do see in what's been described as cyclopean architecture and technology and the evidence really around the world of these giant stones that uh, uh ball back and other places where where engineers say that uh, even today that they think they might be able to lift them but they still don't know how they might move them. So there were obviously uh, giants that were pretty big uh, back before the flood to do those things. And the Genesis text does tell us that there were, uh, there continued to be giants after those days. It doesn't say that it was after the flood. No, it doesn't, no, it it doesn't, doesn't. say they were after the flood. It just says uh, after what's being written here that they were giants after that period. So it doesn't yeah. say how they, there's no mention of, uh, you know, I mean, uh, how how did they escape the flood? Yeah, so I guess that it would have been they were drowned because these being a spirit being, I would find it, uh, you know, that that's not possible. And how did they, they come they back? Did, they did drown. How did drown. they come back? We're not told how they came back, but we are we, we are told that they that they were back. In Numbers 13:33, and we're told very specifically that uh, King Og of Bashan was a remnant of the Rephaim. Uh, if you trace that through, you'll see that the Rephaim are the same as the Amorim, and they're the same as the Nephilim, and the same as the Anakim, for that matter. Um, right. So these are, and they're very, very tall. His bed uh, was enormous, so that means that he measured probably close to about 15 feet tall. Wow. So, I mean, we have evidence. It's in the Bible. This isn't just, you know, vain speculation. This is in the Bible. That the text is clear. Uh, this is the the constant opinion of antiquity. Um, I mean, every every unanimously every ancient commentator source before uh, Julius Africanus said this unanimously. So, I stand on good ground. I, I'm not sure. You know. What makes you think that that it's more logical to think that the sons of Seth is the way to go? Because that's the that's the new idea, not the, well, not the giants. Would this be a fair statement? If you can comprehend that a human can have sex with an angel and produce a prodigy, surely your mind can grasp that these were men having sex with other women and them being the godly line. I know you don't buy that, but um, 
surely you could comprehend that it's it's not angels and could possibly is it possible that they were humans that they were having relations with just as how i feel is that possible i mean i suppose anything is possible but we're not arguing what's possible we're arguing what the text says right that's right. that's the discussion here what does well, the text i believe say? that the tech you know i i'm not as well prepared about it with you but i believe that i have great support for that uh you know that these were um men that just what, saw what's your, women what's your best support what's your best support? men that's well, what's your best textual support Ge genesis 6 that the um, daughters of men that the the verse uh chapter 6 says men 10 times it says flesh. It says 120 years. That, to me, is a great reason for my support to think that they were humans. I mean, that, to me, blows angels out of the water. You have, There's one verse from Job 38, verse 7 being inserted here, which I don't know how, why is that even being done, because it's not in the, it's not even in the book. And it's, you know, I, I, I did hear that they probably could have lived at the same period, but uh, to me, I don't even know how that gets inserted there at all. I, I think it's quite comprehensible that it could be um, humans having relations with other humans. So why would they be called sons of God versus daughters of Adam? Why would they be called sons? Uh, I, I, it doesn't say daughters of Adam in there, does it? it no, no, it doesn't say daughters of Adam. Sure it does. No, no, I, I guess see that it says daughters of men. Uh, Which in, in the Hebrew, I, in the know, original, I, in the original. Okay, well, says, I got it the original says, right here. And I actually read it before I got on here. I got the, I have the Hebrew. It says daughters of men. Doesn't say that. Do but, you uh, know any? Do you do but, you know any Hebrew? Well, I can. I, I got it right here. Do you actually? Did you study Hebrew? Well, here we go. Do you, get that in there. Okay. Can you read that for us? Yeah, I've got. Okay. Hang on. Give me a second. I'll read it for you. Okay. I don't think I can see it actually. The word, actually, I don't think I could. Uh, I need a little better here. light because the print is very, very, very small. I'll I'll put the text on here for okay. you. Can you read it for well, us? Well, you're no? gonna you're gonna give me your your uh, what do you have there? This is this is the Hebrew. That's the original, right there. Can you read that? Is it came big enough to pass when men began to multiply in the face of the earth and daughters were born and that the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Read the Hebrew, not the English, Peter. Well, you know I can't read the Hebrew. Then why are you arguing with it? Because I have the Hebrew beside me with the English version of exactly what it says. <laughs> but you can't read the Hebrew, so why are you trying to make so, a point from Hebrew? All right. I mean, seriously. this It says right here, Benot Ha'adam, okay? Okay. Adam, the daughters of Adam. Okay. So, all right. So that doesn't were, change at, at my side anyway. Well, these were these are Adamites. Okay. These <laughs> these women are Adamites. Okay. Okay. But so who are the sons of God? All why right. are they called why are they called B'nai Elohim? Well, maybe those are the people that actually were the well, surely there's gotta be people on the planet at this time, like we can uh, uh, assume that Cain uh, was not considered to be a godly man. Is that fair to say? So now you're interjecting things. Uh, I'm just I'm trying to get to my point. So what's your point? Well, my point being there were godly people on the earth and there was ungodly people on the earth. Okay, so you're suggesting that the sons of God were godly. Is that right? I, I don't think that God would give that handle 
or I don't necessarily means it has to fully uh, mean that they were, but I think that there's a group of people that God would associate his name with that he's so this, comfortable with that they fit in. So the sons of God are godly people. Um, well, I like I just said, I don't think it necessarily has to refer to that. I think, you know, there's plenty of people like, um, you know, the Jews that God is going to save because of uh, their, well, I wouldn't say that, but... Uh, I don't think it necessarily means that they have to be godly people. I think it just could be those are the people at this time of the people that like, uh, you know, the Jews. Uh, I, I hardly know a Jew that believes in Jesus Christ, yet they're chosen to, and called to be the elect. So I, I can't see why the sons of God can't be the people that were. Surely God is not going to allow that title to be given to people that aren't. Um, God, people that God wants to associate Himself with, I, I find that hard to I find that hard to grasp. Why couldn't it be? All right, I do have a few questions in the chat room. Of uh, many of uh, many comments, but but not a lot of questions. Okay. Uh, this one, Doug. Uh, so I want to ask Douglas, who is being referenced as the other lords they married who are Raphael and will not rise. Okay, that must be from the book of Enoch, which I'm not here to debate the book of Enoch at the moment. Um, so. Okay, uh, let's see. Do you think uh, Satan has offspring, namely, the one mentioned in the testimony of Solomon. No, I don't think so. I think Satan will have an offspring, and that he's been very careful not to commit the sin that the other fallen angels, some of the other fallen angels did, because the penalty for doing that means that you go to this place called Tartarus, which wasn't such a nice place to go to, and it would kind of ruin you know, his grand scheme. But I do believe that he will commit that same sin uh, when he opens up the abyss, and I think he's going to give his seed to a person of his choosing, and that person will we will know as the Antichrist or the beast or the little horn, whatever you want to call him. And I believe that is prophesied in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where God says, I will cause enmity between you and the woman between your seed and her seed. So I think he's waiting. Okay, here's another, uh, looks like a question. So, uh, the sons of God shouted for joy when the earth was created. So they probably shouted for joy at the creation of Adam since man was created on the last day of creation. Does that uh, yeah, make that's, sense? That's, uh, that's very possible. We don't know. Uh, I, I suggest that they were created sometime between day two and day four. That's my suggestion. Uh, they certainly could have, you know, yeah. Okay. Um, all the children of Adam and Eve and not mentioned in the scriptures are not mentioned in the scriptures, I think they mean. Uh, but no, they did because Cain married his sister, right? Well, yeah, they're, I mean, we're all related, right? We're all sons of Adam. And when you look at it, so sure, they, they had to marry closer relatives than we do today okay all right uh they had uh let's see 
they had women and men babies, okay? Who else would the Nephilim, offspring of the fallen angels, mate with? Who else would the would the children of the Nephilim, say that again? Yeah, that's interesting. Who else would the Nephilim, the offspring of the fallen angels, mate with? So, so in other words, if the uh, if the um, angels, then uh, the Nephilim, uh, if they're the offspring, then they married. Who would uh, they married? Uh, uh, who would they mate with? Would they mate with one another, other, other of the offspring, then, or would they mate from other uh, humans? Well, presumably, we, we're not told, of course, but presumably it would be with other women. Uh, but I, I don't know. We don't we don't have evidence of that. All right. Um, let's see. Like I said, there's very many comments. That's fine. If, if there are no more questions, we don't have to do that. So maybe we should just go into our, our closing remarks and then uh, we'll call it a night. <laughs> All right. So, Peter, do you want to go first or should I? No, you go ahead. Uh, okay. I pretty much uh, said almost everything that I want to say about it, really. Okay. Okay. Well, great. Well, so again, uh, Peter, I just want to thank you for coming on, and I hope that we uh, kept this civil. Um, you know, again, I, I think this is a fun topic. It's a very interesting topic. I think it's a very provable topic, but it's not the end of the world kind of topic, right? I mean, it may be the end of the world, but but that's a, that's a different, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it could be. But, um, you know, this is just fun. Okay, this is a this is a fun topic, and I think Peter is a good brother, and I appreciate his heart, and I I know that he loves the Lord. Um, you know, having said that, I I do believe if if you really want to understand this topic, I think the Bible does have very clear evidence that the sons of God in Genesis chapter six and Job uh, are talking about fallen. Angels. I mean, they're talking about angels in general uh, in, in Genesis chapter six because they do bad things. They must be fallen angels. Uh, we're making, you know, basically um, an inference there that they must be bad because they do bad things, and they have relations with women. And the the product of, of that relationship is called. They're called nephilim, the fallen ones. They're the ones who are actually felling. If you actually look at that, it's a it's a hefeel uh, usage of it. They're the ones who are felling, felling things. So, uh, and this is the constant opinion of antiquity. This is not something that I'm making up. This is not a, a new theory. This is the oldest of all the theories. It's the oldest of all the understandings. Uh, that is why the Alexandrian Jews translated from Hebrew into Greek in various places. They translated it as angels when it's talking about the sons of God. And I've explained... Oh, that the term sons of God is a reference to anybody who is a direct creation of God. So we become sons of God when we believe in Jesus, but God made Adam directly, so he is a son of God. There's no, I mean, who else is his father, right? Adam, God's his father. That's a direct creation. And the angels, who are their, who's their father? Well, God. I mean, we're, we're told in Psalm 148 that God spoke and they were created. So those are sons of God. And we see a contrast with the term daughters of Adam because they're of a dissimilar nature. They're two different groups that we're speaking of. Otherwise, you would have to say sons of God and daughters of Adam. You could just say, you know, 
this guy married that woman. That would be, you know, very basic talk. But that's not what we have going on there. It's making it's using that term because there are two distinct natures that are going on. And again, that is what everybody thought. Uh, people that were a lot smarter than us were thinking that as well. And it was only later when Augustine uh, and you know he was following Julius Africanus, who was very tentative about his whole idea, was suggesting that no, no. That's impossible. But at, but Augustine uh, pulls nothing from the text. He makes it up. Uh, so does Calvin. He does not use the Bible to defend his position. He just you know rants on everybody that came before him. Says oh, I can't believe they were thinking that. And then he just makes things up. So you know the really the bottom line is if you want to look at the text and look what the text has to say, we see that the text very clearly, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament says that these were fallen angels who had relations as crazy as that sound that is what the bible says all the way through and that was the opinion of antiquity up until about the time of augustine well i just think that that is uh you know mostly just reading into the text a lot i uh, i i can't see that to me that this prodigy takes the burden of sin off of man. And that to me, you know, just is number one. Um, and I can't see that, uh, that that would be something that we would, Christians are going to accept that this could be, uh, th that it's possible. Because that means that there, it says, you know, as in the days of Noah. So I would think that we're probably in those days now, or we're really darn close. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't know who uh, a, per, a person uh, being the Nephilim are other than the, according to uh, what's been said here tonight, that they would have to be huge uh, other than that's, you know, the, no other way to recognize them. So I, I think that, um, you know, I, I don't I don't believe that theory w at, at all. Well, I don't you don't think it's a theory, of course, by any means. I know you back it up with uh, what's written in the Bible. Uh, uh, you might probably say mine's more of a theory, but. Uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I think it's accurate and it makes sense to me and in my spirit as well. And, uh, you know, you can read the Bible as much as you want. And, and uh, the proper interpretation comes from the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes our education can get in the way of, uh, of uh, common sense. And I honestly believe that. Um, and I would like to retract of me say, you know, kind of make an accusation because I do feel that pastors. Um, have more accountability or, or uh, uh, what it says in the Bible that they're have a higher accountability and uh, me saying that um, making that kind of accusation that I can't believe that you would use those outside resources. It's just me uh, being a little frustrated because uh, I think there's plenty in the word of God without having to reach out uh, with any other sources to support. So uh, I want to retract that because uh, I, I believe I know your heart as well and that you're a godly man and uh, I want to thank you for allowing me to have this time with you because uh, it's enjoyable and um, uh, it's my first one. So I probably, uh, you know, was uh, not as prepared as I have liked to have been. But uh, thanks. And um, we'll just hopefully maybe it'll happen again. Happen again. Thank you, Peter. All right, Chris. Well, thank you so much, uh, Chris Steinle, for joining us again and for uh keeping the peace <laughs> appreciate my pleasure that. Glad yeah. to be here. yeah thank you so much yeah, thanks, Chris. yeah 
and thank you, Peter. I, I appreciate coming on. Uh, debates can be fun, uh, a little bit stressful, but uh, you know, the, the idea is that we were both able to present uh, the way that we understand things, and that it's really ultimately for the people that are watching, and they can then, uh, you know, take the evidence presented, and then go and do more research for themselves. Uh, either way, we know that Jesus is King. That's the most important thing, Amen to that. and that He is coming. And uh, Nephilim or not, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> fallen angels or not, uh, Jesus is the one who's on the throne, and we're grateful for that. Pretty appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> uh, we can debate that one next. <laughs> yeah, uh, that'd be fun. So, okay. Well, anybody, anyway, thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you, every, uh, you guys, for coming on and for being on the show. Appreciate it. Guys, stay in the word. That is where all the answers are. And we know that God loves us. He cares about us. And we're just grateful for all that he's done. Until next time, I'm your host, Doug Hamm. God bless.